ADP has your back with ADP Marketplace, a digital HR storefront. Be a more trusted advisor to your clients by recommending apps to help streamline HR processes and free up time to focus on people. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, ADP Marketplace, later in the episode. This is huge. David, what is QuickBooks Cash? Why is this such a big deal? Yeah, so QuickBooks Cash. So essentially, you no longer have to get a separate bank account. You can just, in QuickBooks, sign up and get a bank account. Not only that, the bank account pays interest. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. 1% interest, pretty high yield. I mean, relatively speaking. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Clockshark. Clockshark is the leading GPS, time tracking, and scheduling system built for local construction and field service companies that want a simpler way to track time, run payroll, and understand job costs. With the capabilities of crew tracking, scheduling, job site geofencing, teams and project segmentation, automatic labor allocation, budgeting, and reporting, Clockshark has built a robust mobile time tracking system to handle the unique challenges that face your clients. With Clockshark, your clients can keep accurate records like overtime, paid time off, unpaid time, hours per job, and task, as well as the crucial data needed for certified payroll. With the integrations Clockshark has, you'll be able to connect to one of many ADP payroll platforms through ADP Marketplace and process payroll in minutes with a click of a button. Clockshark's pricing starts at just $6 a month per employee. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash clockshark. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-L-O-C-K-S-H-A-R-K. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Smancha. The line between a successful business and a bankrupt one is often how much cash they have in the bank and how long they are able to remain cash flow positive during challenging times. Keeping an eye on your client's cash flow is now more important than ever. Smancha integrates with QuickBooks Online and Zero to help put an end to cash flow problems. By using daily, weekly, and monthly forecasts, cash flow calendars, and powerful customized what-if scenarios, you can visualize your clients' finances in clear and intuitive ways so you can take action and reshape their cash flow by getting them funding with one simple application. Smancha identifies when extra cash is needed and can match your clients with multiple financing options via more than 50 screened lenders, and you can advise on the best offer suited to your clients' needs. Just for the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, Smancha is offering its fully functional, unlimited company's license for free until August 31st, 2020. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Smancha. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-M-A-N-S-H-A. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So how's life in uh, quarantine? It's, it's it's good. I took my laptop apart yesterday and put it all back together. Oh, wow. That is a real act of desperation there. But no, you actually had a broken keyboard. Yeah, the Z, X, C, and V keys wouldn't work. So it was very, very hard. How to, long you, is you, That's cut, copy, paste. It was pushing 90, 90. Well, it was slow. First, the Z key wouldn't work. And then it was the X key, then it was the C, then the V. So it was spreading like a, like, like a disease across the keys. How were you but even working? I bought a USB keyboard and I had that on oh, top okay, got it. of the other keyboard I was using that. So, I had this laptop with a keyboard on top of the keyboard. Um, <laughs> Too bad you can't go to Starbucks because that would be real impressive, right? So, so I found a replacement on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like ordered it in from China. It took like 12 weeks to ship, right? It finally shows up. I tear my whole laptop apart and I get to the last part of the key. The keyboard is soldered. It's not soldered, but it's riveted in. Oh, the laptop. Wow. So, I had to break all – I had to break like 
75 plastic rivets to get it out fully and then put the new one in and then basically use a little wow. super glue to fix all the rivets. And uh, it's it's working. I can type, I can cut, copy, paste. Everything's perfectly fine. It's a sur- uh-huh. successful uh, rebuild. But it was one of those... Because sometimes you'll see them, you can, the keyboard you can replace from the front. Yeah. I literally had to take every single part of the laptop out to get to the keyboard to put it back in. But you're making me nervous just listening to you. Like, that is, uh, that's scary. I'm, you know, I'm an Apple guy. I, I can't take that apart. I just <laughs> take that to the Apple store. Um, <laughs> For a couple of seconds, I was like, shit, how are you going to record the podcast tomorrow? Because <laughs> when it was apart and I was like, I can't get the keyboard out. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're handy with that. Um, it's a little risky. I, I didn't have a, a contingency plan. If it, what, if, what if I broke my laptop yesterday? That would have been bad. You couldn't record. Well, I had my own adventure in technology. Giraffe is participating in the Boomer Consulting Virtual Summit on August 9th through 12th. And that summit, as you can tell from the title, has gone virtual like everything this year. Are they going to are they, they going to rebrand that now? No, I know it's it's his name, but To what? Because everybody this word boomer has such a negative connotation now. I know he, he had the brand <laughs> way before, right? But it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. like So they have selected a platform for the virtual conference called Verbella, which is spelled V-I-R-B-E-L-A. And it's a virtual world, David. It's like, did you ever play Second Life back in the day? No, but I'm aware of that or, stuff. Or any like online multiplayer video games? Or your kids maybe? Like, think of Fortnite, but instead of blasting people with laser rifles, you are in an office walking around talking to people. And you have an avatar that you control and you can, you know, shake hands with people. You can look at a screen and control it on the wall. You can sit down in a chair. And one of the neat features is this microphone proximity. So you you turn on your microphone. There's no webcam, which is kind of nice, actually. And when you walk up to somebody, if you're in a common area, you can just start talking to them. Like the, it's already working. And if you walk too far away, you can't hear them anymore. Okay, so if there's like a little meeting room, and if you walk in it, it's quiet. As soon as somebody else walks in, now you both can hear each other. Mm-hmm. But, but all right, I get it. Yeah, all right. and you and you can have like a screen on the wall, like a, a conference room screen, and then you can put up web pages on there. You can put up a presentation, and you can talk about it. And uh, it's like you know, kind of being in an office. And so some companies are using this as their virtual office. Folks are using this for conferences. That's what Boomer Consulting is doing. So they're going to have an expo hall and they have uh, all the rooms that you would expect. And what's great is it can be the most beautiful expo hall you've ever seen, right? Like super neat and modern. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. So, you know, I have a virtual booth that I'm creating marketing materials for, uploading images and branding it with our logo and whatnot. And we're going to staff it for three days and see what happens. And so this is uh, so the conference has not ha- happened yet. The virtual conference has not happened. No, it happens on August 9th, starting on August. Okay, you have to keep us in tune yeah. on that. And because a lot of times, you know, these these virtual tools, the conference day comes, and I don't know how many people they have attending, but then you know we've heard story after story of these things crashing, yes. not working. So that'll be that's the real test. So hopefully it'll work. I mean, but this is like a quite quite a large platform, and I've already tested it out. And you can actually go and download the client and try it. There's a free area where you know anybody can go and and try it and then you pay to have your own private area your own private world so check it out verbella.com if you're looking for a solution i i am going to have to upgrade my computer though because my laptop which doesn't have a graphics card 
is uh, kind of struggling. It, it works, but I really would like a smoother experience. So now I get to justify buying a new computer. So. <laughs> um, Always. So that's that. Yeah, that's that's my adventures in virtual reality. But let's get back to reality and the news that is oh so important to the economy, which is unemployment benefits that expired on Friday. Discussions between Republicans and Democrats didn't come to anything last week. Negotiations are going on over the weekend. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has been meeting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. He did that yesterday on Saturday. As we record this on Sunday, staffers are purportedly working together to try and get a deal going. But so far, we haven't heard anything. And we've got a $600 per week federal unemployment benefit that is expired. So now all that's left is the state unemployment benefits, which can be as low as you know a few hundred dollars. Some uh, some serious you know challenges uh, in that if if there isn't a deal soon. So the New York Times has a, a great series of tweets where they have a slide deck basically showing kind of the Republican plan, what's already been passed in the middle, and then to the right the Democrat plan. And if you look at these two plans going forward, they are very far off. An example would be small business aid. The Republican plan has $200 billion for small business aid. The Democrat plan has zero. Zero of a $3.4 trillion plan. The Republican plan is $1.1 trillion. And remember, we've already had $3.2 trillion in between. There's no alignment on any pieces of this. The tax breaks for businesses, stimulus checks, unemployment benefits, even this aid to state Mm -hmm. and local municipalities, like nothing is aligned whatsoever. So unless some miracle happens, you know, on the Hill tomorrow or today, possibly, I'm sure there are talk they've worked all weekend. So so this is not good news, but I do have a little bit of good news, which is that the IRS is making it easier to change your accounting method during the pandemic. There's a form called form 33115, which you file with your income tax return to change your accounting method from cash to accrual, vice versa. And uh, you used to have to actually mail a duplicate copy of that to the IRS. So you file one with your tax return and then you mail a duplicate copy. Now the IRS is really moving into the future and you can fax that form. So there was a article about more fraud in the, in the disaster loan program, not PPP program. The EIDL. The EIDL. The thing to take away from this article for me was in the Washington Post was they're, they're indicating there's widespread fraud. Like it's way more than it was. And they said that um, $1.9 million of these loans went to accounts, out, bank accounts outside the United States. A banking service provider said that about 3,000 were suspicious transactions, totaling $73 million. And a federal credit union told the Justice Department that 59 out of 60 SBA deposits it received appeared to be fraudulent. Wow. 59 out of 60. The article also talks about how they were overwhelmed. And one of the takeaways, which I did not do what they were doing. So the first, you know, six weeks, they only got through 38,000 loans, right? It was less than 1% of their backlog. Is this the EIDL program you're talking about? Still? Yes, the EIDL. Yeah. Remember, remember, nobody, pretty much nobody could find anybody who successfully got an EIDL loan in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But then um, they got through their backlog. But the way they did it, and I did not know this, they hired 1,200 loan evaluators and outsourced much of the work to, Rocket Loans and other consultants. So Rocket huh. Loans, you know, Rocket Mortgage, you've heard of all that. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're using third parties to just plow through this loan paperwork. And then by the time it was done, you know, by July 15th, they approved 2.6 million loans. So they really, in a short amount of time, burned through all these loans. So again, like we talked about before, there's going to be fraud if you do this, this many loans this fast. Uh, well, 
hey, I can one up you on these uh, these fraud stories here. New York Times is reporting that Florida man took coronavirus aid and bought a Lamborghini. Officials say. And the title really says Florida man because my Florida daughter man. like yeah. showed me some trend you could do on Google if you if you do Florida man and put in your birth date. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a news article on Google News about like Florida man. Yeah, continue your article. It's that headline. Well, it's a trope, right? It's a it's a joke now. And Florida man is the quintessential like ridiculous headline uh, story. And so it, we finally got one for PPP. David T. Hines, 29, was arrested and charged with three felonies after spending his PPP money on the big ticket item was a three hundred eighteen thousand dollar Lamborghini. Did he get a custom plate that said PPP? I don't know, but he should have. Apparently, he actually had some real businesses. He said he operated four businesses with 70 employees and had $4 million in monthly expenses. And he received three payments totaling almost $4 million. After that money came in, he continued submitting requests for more funds. Eventually, the requests totaled $13.5 million. And then he went on a spending spree with the money that he had received uh, but obviously got caught. He made two payments in May, totaling $30,000 to a person listed as mom, officials said. The same month, he paid more than 4000 to Saks Fifth Avenue. In June, he paid more than 7000 to the Setai Hotel in Miami Beach and 8500 to the jewelry company Graf. And the biggest purchase was, of course, that Lamborghini. Monthly expenses for his businesses in reality averaged around 200000 far below what he claimed on his federal loan applications. Another fraud one, a former Microsoft executive, Mukin Mohan, was arrested for 5.5 million fraud uh, for PPP. Uh, He basically, he applied and he took the money and he put some of it into his Robinhood brokerage account (laughs) so he could could play stock games and gamble with it. He applied for eight loans for six companies. Now, mind you, he is, he's the CTO at a, at a real company called builddirect.com. It's a, for home contractors, Mm -hmm. it's some middleman software for you to like, if you need to get a a drywall guy or an electrician, you could use his website mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so he was really blatant about it. He applied for the loan, said that he paid more than $2.3 million in payroll in 2019. And the reality is he bought this other company in May and it had zero employees. I just wonder what they what they think, how they think they're going to get away with it because like that's so easy to check. You just look at the the payroll filings, right? The federal, you know, 941s or whatnot. If there's no payroll related to that EIN, you're going to get caught. Pretty easy. Anyway, I know people are dumb. Criminals are dumb. Uh, well, speaking of dumb, and I don't know if this is dumb or not dumb, I'll leave this up to everybody arguing. This is uh, from the Virginia Gazette. It's a letter to the editor. I'm going to read the letter itself. Accounting firms should repay PPP loans. As a practicing CPA, I was glad to see July 15th finally arrive and single the end of a long busy season. It has provided some time to reflect. I was shocked when I heard that CPA firms had received PPP loans. Some firms received millions of dollars. Of course, in April, nobody knew what was going to happen. But now I believe most accounting firms have revenue. As the end of July, that is close to the revenue they had earned during the same time frame in 2019. If these firms had kept their expenses the same for 2020 compared to 2019, and they received a Paycheck Protection Program loan, then when the loan is forgiven, the entire amount of the loan will increase their net profit. As a former partner in a large regional firm, I do not think the purpose of the PPP loan program was to enrich individuals that already earn far more than the average American. In my opinion, accounting firms that receive PPP loans should pay them back. Brian G. Gostich, Williamsburg. I wonder what our listeners think of that. 
you know, law firms and accounting firms were some of the top recipients of PPP loans. And why is that? It's because we knew how the system worked. And so we were able to go and get the money for ourselves in addition to our clients. Uh, that's just how it was set up. Oh, yeah, because if, 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 if accountants and bookkeepers are helping small businesses get the money and you're not going to not fill out an application for yourself along the way, you just did 45 of them for clients, yeah. right? And, and, and you're right. So, so it's a percentage of the industry. I, I imagine you're right. It's probably 99.9% .9 of all accounting bookkeeping firms applied for the loan. Now, rather than return the money, here's what I would say. If you feel, you feel guilty about this, having received this money is do some pro bono work for businesses that are struggling. Maybe that's a solution. I imagine that's already happening. Uh, yeah, well, it, so. it probably is. There's a lot of firms that aren't billing for PPP services and stuff. So anyway, I, I think Should it's we? it's kind of ridiculous. It's like, what are you going to ask everybody who didn't really get, like, what is the definition of hurt? What is the definition of need for this money? There isn't one. So what are we going to do? Make one up? So in, I'm interested to know what our listeners feel about this. You know, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Um in the meantime, I got one more PPP story here, which is okay. uh, a story in the Wall Street Journal about how business customers are bailing on big banks and switching to community banks due to PPP loan issues, which was anticipated. I think we talked about that as, as something that might happen. And we have some stats on that. According to a survey of 931 firms conducted by Barlow Research Associates, 28% of businesses that secured PPP funding got their loan from a lender with whom they had no prior relationship or a bank that wasn't their primary one. And 44% of those borrowers said they would move at least some of their accounts and loans to the bank that came through for them during PPP. So that's, that's a lot. And then there's a bunch of anecdotes in the article about businesses that, you know, got really pissed off at Wells Fargo or Citigroup or Bank of America and are, have moved their assets. Um, you know, the banks with less than $10 billion of assets account for just 14% of the industry total, but they handled 52% of the loans that were approved in the PPP and 44% of the program's dollars. So they really came through and it seems like they're, they're reaping the benefits. Well, again, this is just like with, you know, in general, using the PPP loan to acquire for accounting firms to acquire new clients, right? To provide service, to build up that relationship. The smaller, smarter banks were able to do that. And the bigger banks were just overwhelmed with applications. And then, you know, they took care of is their most important customers, you know, the uh, Shake Shacks, et cetera. One of the banks mentioned in the article is called InBank. They added 350 new customers because of PPP, mostly from large banks, said chairman and CEO Ed Francis. It would normally take that bank, which has $423 million in assets as of March 31st, as long as two years to bring that many aboard. So they got two years worth of clients in a matter of months. Wow. Sort of reminds me of like uh, all the stores that are selling uh, home gym equipment. I went out yesterday trying to look for like an elliptical or a treadmill and all the stores that I went to said that they did like two or three years of business in two or three months and everything's on back order until the fall. I remember going to Target right after things started to lock down and they don't have like a huge fitness section, but there's, it's just like one aisle of yoga mats and some weights. And yeah. I, there was a, like, it, it, it was like a robbery. There was nothing there. And then the whole bike shelf, all the bikes were gone too. Right. Yeah. So yeah, people are really desperate to Get some home office or home home office, sorry, home uh, workout equipment. So let's get to app news. Apps. I was going to say, let's let's chat at. So we got to start with QuickBooks Cash. This is huge. David, what is QuickBooks Cash? Why is this such a big deal? Yeah, so QuickBooks Cash. So essentially, 
you no longer have to get a separate bank account. You can just in QuickBooks, sign up and get a bank account. Not only that, the bank account pays interest. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. 1% interest, pretty high yield. I mean, relatively speaking. (laughs) I mean, according to Intuit, it's 25 times higher than the average rate for small business accounts. Yeah. That, and then that, and then there's no fees. That's pretty amazing too, right? No minimum balance, no required daily balance, no monthly service fee. That's a big deal because a lot of businesses pay a lot in fees. Because it's into its account, you connect your merchant service to it, do instant deposits. So there's no more waiting that extra day and a half, two days for ACH. You can get instant deposits to that account free of charge. Um, you get a debit card so you can actually do spend. So they have a cash flow planner the cash flow planner that I currently see in my QuickBooks Online, it's only historical. The last 12 months, I'm not seeing a, a future look yet mm-hmm. on that. But apparently, that's something you get when you get the QuickBooks Cash account. They also have the QuickBooks uh, Pay. So, it's QuickBooks Online Bill Pay powered by Melio. So, that's available and that ties into the whole thing. And then the thing that I found interesting and so, remember we talked about personal finances before? Mm-hmm. And I, so I stopped using Mint and I switched to You Need a Budget. And You Need a Budget uses kind of that envelope budgeting system. Yes. They have this concept of envelopes. And I'm not sure, is this like sub accounts? Like, would these be treated as separate bank accounts the way I can do that, like with a relay? Or this is this just like a budgety thing? I couldn't tell from the screenshots and some of the UI things I looked at. And it looks like with the, the cash flow planner is going to be a little bit more um, where you can actually put in scenarios like, I'm going to buy a boat on this day. And you can start putting those types of things in. So it's not just going to take the data in the bank feeds and create a cash flow projection. It's going to allow you to put in events and transactions, which is funny because like full circle, like that was one of these things. There used to be this calendar and Quicken 25 years ago. And people could go and take this calendar and then just put transactions they know are coming up in the future on this calendar. Essentially, it was a cash flow planner, right? So it's like full circle, like this is coming back to old Quicken functionality, right? It's, uh, envelope budgeting, cash flow planning, that type of stuff. I did sign up for it. I, I did try to get it set up. And how'd that go? It, it's interesting because I didn't get as far as I thought I would. So I clicked the thing to sign up. I said, I'm already a QuickBooks customer. I clicked getting started. Then it took me to another screen that said payment account application. It said, you're good to go. We got your information, charge on. Okay, I hit an okay button and that's it. So I think they already have my information because I have a merchant services account into it. But then that's it. I didn't get an email. It said, hey, your application is pending. Your QuickBurst cash is on the way. Congratulations. It just was like, a, it just kind of dead end. Hmm. So, I don't know if it's, if it's just, and it was very like kind of a marketing kind of screen. Like we've already got your information, charge on. And so, I was excited. I was like, I was going to click okay. And I thought I'd see something, but I don't have anything in there. And there was an article on Insightful Accountant that linked to the actual Envision. So, Envision is like a way for companies to do mock-ups, almost like an interactive slide deck of a feature. And so, I was able to click on that and look at the mock-ups of it, but I don't have any of those screens in my QuickBooks. I can't find them anywhere. So, I don't... I, I, I'm in, I'm in a QuickBooks cash limbo. Well, keep us posted on that. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by ADP Marketplace. How can you be a more trusted advisor for your clients as they face new challenges? By recommending solutions from ADP Marketplace, ADP's digital HR storefront. With ADP Marketplace, clients can try, buy, and implement highly rated HR apps that can share data with ADP. With secure data integrations, it's easy to streamline HR processes and adapt to new business needs. 
Help your clients discover new ways to recruit and onboard employees, boost performance, offer unique financial wellness benefits, and much more. And with integrations for popular business software like Expensify, PayActive, Slack, and ClockShark, clients can add value to the tools they already use by simply and securely connecting them to ADP. Have clients in field service or construction? ClockShark can help them track time to quickly and accurately run payroll, all integrated with ADP. Visit ADP Marketplace at apps.adp.com or right from your Accountant Connect dashboard. Not set up with Accountant Connect? Sign up today. It's free. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash ADP. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash ADP. ADP has your back with ADP Marketplace. I've got updates on Zero. Zero premium customers can now sync Zero smartless to MailChimp, the popular email service, in real time. What does that mean? Well, it means that you could use the smart lists, which allow you to create like dynamic lists of customers and contacts, and then trigger email sends in MailChimp based on stuff like overdue invoices and payment confirmations. I think that's pretty neat. There is a new dashboard in Zero Projects with an at-a-glance view of project profitability. A few other miscellaneous features, but I'm really excited about that, uh, that MailChimp thing. I think that's pretty neat. On deck. Got acquired. You're familiar with OnDeck, right? Yeah, they're uh, uh, one of those modern lenders, right? Yeah, for small business focused modern lenders, uh, probably the interest rates are a little high. They're a little bit more high risk loans. Mm -hmm. Their balance sheets were getting a little wacky because of the crisis, et cetera. So they were acquired. Now, OnDeck has been around for a decade and a half or so. Okay, they started doing funding in 2006 and they've funded 13 billion plus to small business loans. How much do you think they were acquired for? It was only $90 million. So I'm looking at this article right now in American Banker, and they're saying that it's less than 10% of what its market value was in 2015. That's crazy. Yeah. And only 8 million of it was paid in cash. Wow. So they must not be in a good situation at all. I bet you a lot of these online lenders lending to small businesses are in trouble because they're never going to be able to collect on a lot of these loans. And in the meantime, they're probably getting pressure because... All these companies are smaller fintechs, right? Yep. They, they, a, they have to earn trust in market. And then in the meantime, like QuickBurst Capital and Zero has a product now, a loan product, right? So speaking of acquisitions, YayPay was acquired by a French company called Quadient. It's a publicly held company purchasing YayPay for $20 million in cash. YayPay, if you're not familiar with it, they're an automated accounts receivable application. So invoice delivery, collections management, credit assessment, payment, and cash application solutions. And they're up market, right? Like I think their client base was like Nike and Yeah, they, they're more of like mid market. I think I saw them over at like uh, NetSuite Sweet World and that sort of thing. So they integrate with NetSuite, Dynamics, SAP, Sage, those kind of solutions, right? ERP systems. Uh, I've got news about FreshBooks as well and Gusto. Yeah. FreshBooks now has checkout links. These allow you to collect payments on fixed price items and services using a simple URL. You just create the link, share it with your client online, and then FreshBooks provides them with an automated receipt. So I guess it's a simpler way rather than sending an invoice, you just send them a link and then they can purchase. Uh, They've also got some improvements to their in-app timer. And now you can create an outstanding invoice banner on the client view. So when your client logs in to look at their invoice, if they have any outstanding invoices, they'll see a big banner up at the top that says that they have an outstanding invoice due to you. And finally, we've got the big Gusto announcement. 
Gusto announced a new people advisory certification for accountants at their online Gusto Next conference this past week. Uh, That was a really nicely done virtual conference presentation on Zoom, sort of like a a webinar on steroids. So this certification is four hours online training, and it, quote, will enable accountants to combine their financial advisory expertise with new services for clients in areas such as payroll, benefits, and HR as people advisors. And you can sign up at gusto.com slash partners slash accountants slash certification. So the gist of it is if my small business owners, instead of me just setting them up on payroll, if they have they need additional help on hiring, posting for jobs, uh, HR decisions, I can kind of get into that space a little bit and offer that as an additional service to whatever those services I'm, I'm offering them. Yeah, or, or even like more basic than that. I think there's a lot of bookkeeping accounting firms that don't even touch payroll, that don't want anything to do with it. Like all they do is the bookkeeping and the tax. And this is a great way for accountants and bookkeepers to learn about the benefits of offering payroll management and HR and benefits for their clients to be their, their advisor in that regard. I will tell you, based on my own personal experience, having that offering, offering payroll through Gusto as part of my firm was a huge value add for my clients. And, and that was the thing they would call me about most. It wasn't about like the bank reconciliations or the financials. It was, I'm hiring somebody. How much do I pay them? Do I offer them benefits? What kind of benefits do I offer? And so like having a, a way to do that streamlined in a platform, I think is super valuable. So I like, highly recommend people check that out. Uh, Vertex one went public on the NASDAQ. And so Vertex is similar to an Avalara type sales tax play. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're riding the benefits of the South Dakota versus Wayfair. Um, the only thing that I thought was interesting about this uh, IPO was on Twitter, somebody asked, like, somebody, an accountant said they've never heard of them. And I'm like, that, that doesn't bode well, I think, for your IPO, right? If in theory, you are no, you're one of your target customers has never heard of you. Yeah, well, and I'm not very familiar with them either. So it's Vertex is what you said. Vertex. Yeah, Vertex. They've been in this space for 40 years. They have 1,100 employees. I mean, I'm going to guess that they're serving mostly folks who are up market, right? They say they have 50% of the Fortune 500. Yeah, there you go. That's and that's why, because yeah. you know the folks who are listening to Cloud Accounting Podcast, it's accounts serving small businesses. But you know, there's this whole world of like solutions and software solutions that you wouldn't even know about because it's you know you got to be a, a giant company paying you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for this software. Yeah, um, like when you can't find the you know how you know when something's up market when you can't find the pricing on the website. <laughs> That's how you know that it's not for small businesses. Yeah, when it says book a demo. Yeah, that's the best you can do. Or request info for pricing. Yeah. Or it's going to be at your price range. And ask you what company you're with first, right? It's yeah. Like, what company are you with? And, and, the, and the choices for like number of employees, <laughs> like they give you that 50,000 or more box and that's the yeah. only one they really want you to choose. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Shopify. Shopify had an amazing quarter, right? You know, the economy might be going down the toilet, but e-commerce is doing great as a small segment of that, Shopify's revenue nearly doubled as COVID-19 pushes shopping online. They're, they're an e-commerce platform that allows you as a small business to set up an online 
website where people can purchase from you and the shopping cart is all integrated into your website and they've got all sorts of like e-commerce integrations. It's the Amazon alternative is I guess how I would describe it. Revenue was 714 million in the second quarter up from 362 million in the year ago quarter and way above the analyst forecasts of 511 million. Yeah, Shopify, they are putting pressure on Square and they're putting pressure on Amazon. It's really interesting to see how much they've uh, they've really separated from everybody else in their pack as far as, you know, the big commerce and um, the other e-commerce players, these little online shopping carts. Like Shopify has completely separated themselves from everybody else. I, I still watch. I would not be surprised they them them and FreshBooks doing something together. Their neighbors in Toronto, mm. you know, what, what would make them unstoppable? A GL, right? So TaxFile, you're familiar with TaxFile? Yeah, we've talked about them before. They basically play like a middleman. They're like a search engine to find other accountants or bookkeepers. They connect business owners with tax preparers. Well, they formed an, an accounting firm called RMW Accounting. And they're seeking to acquire CPA firms. So this was in the South Florida Business Journal. Huh. So they're basically looking for owners that want to liquidate or sell parts of their business. So this sounds like uh, another potential issue, though. We've got all these tech companies that are getting into the services business. I mean, maybe this is because they can't get enough professionals to do the taxes on their platform. So they're just going to create the the market, you know, on both sides. <laughs> it's interesting because they're they're... In a way, they're a little Uber-like, right? Where it's on demand. I need taxes done. Yeah. They just match me up with one of 2,700 CPAs. Right. So now they're it's like Uber hiring their own drivers. It would be like Uber I, becoming an actual taxi company. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know either. It's just this is their plan. It's been formed and they're heading down that path. Um, and then another last last piece of avenue is I have a, another AI accounting startup, Candice, raises $14 million in fresh funding. So what are they doing? Like what? So it just feels more of this like overly cocky AI type game, right? So Candice, a German startup company working to automate companies' manual accounting workflows, today announced that it has raised 12 million euros, about 14 million US. Uh, Candice provides cloud-based accounting platform, uses machine learning to reduce the amount of time needed to organize a company's financial records. One of the main use cases for this platform is automating payment reconciliation process and wherein the accounting department compares the company's various transaction logs to one another to ensure all sums match. So it sounds like bank feeds, right? It's just more, it's bank feeds. Yeah. Uh, Candace imports transaction logs from a company's financial systems and automatically matches each record to the associated invoice. They're making it sound super complex here. It's just, it's just bank wrecks, right? <laughs> it's bank wrecks. Essentially, it's bank wrecks. And then the, the best part is it goes a little bit deeper in here. This is a quote from the uh, co-founder, Christian Ridosek. Our machine learning-based technology disrupts a whole industry in which the majority of tasks are still very manual. Uh, another part of the article says, the startup claims that its platform features are together capable of automating about 80% of classic accounting processes involved in managing an organization's books. Oh, 80% boy. and they got $14 million to like, and the, the thing is, and we're seeing this, right? Going from 80 to 82, 80 to 85 you know, breaking that 90, it gets harder and harder and harder. So, so, so somebody tossed them $14 million for them to do what everybody's getting out of the box right now with any account software package. 
Well, and here's the problem is that that 80%, which I dispute that like... You think it's lower? <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe traditional accountants are spending 80% of their time on this stuff, but most of us who have already moved to the cloud are not. We've automated this ourselves. So even if it is 80%, though, there's not a lot of value in automating that 80% or there's, there's not a lot of value in that work. So even if you automate it, you, you can't charge much for it. And it's like you said, it's already built into a lot of these GL packages. Everybody thinks bank feed is, is bookkeeping and accounting. Like take the bank feed and categorize it automatically, which is easy when it's a Starbucks transaction. Well, and you know why I think these startups keep getting founded? It's because there's some entrepreneur and he starts a business and he has to do his own bookkeeping ah. and he gets really tired of doing it. And he's like, oh, this is a problem. In my next business, I'm going to solve bookkeeping and I'm going to automate it. Not really thinking that... The GL apps are building this themselves, right? And gradually improving it. So it's not as much of a problem anymore. So do you really need a a third party solution for bank feeds, automating that? And then also that like once a business gets to a certain size, they hire a financial professional and then that person is responsible for all this stuff. So are they going to pay for a tool that does this when they could just kind of do it like in the GL or like... like, And like you said, there's diminishing returns, right? It has to get so automated that I don't even have to touch it. But to get to that point, nobody's figured out how to do that. I still have to go in and review all the transactions anyway to make sure they're coded correctly. I can't just trust the AI to do it. And I think this transitions well into uh, new banks because ultimately it's a banking feed world, right? And yeah. all the banks are you know, coming after arguably the GLs. And what is a bank is even getting confusing, right? But I have some articles uh, just about new banks. One of them really gets into some numbers. There was an acquisition that took place and it really explains QuickBooks. What, what QuickBooks' motivation here is. You mean why QuickBooks created QuickBooks Cash? QuickBooks Cash, exactly. One is uh, Varo. We've talked about Varo, Varo V-A-R-O. Mm-hmm. They are a consumer, but they are officially at a bank now. So, they got their bank charter. So, they're so, one wait, of these new so bank startups. You mean they're a, they're a consumer bank? They're a consumer bank. So, they got, so, it's another one of these new banks, but they got a bank charter. Okay, got it. So now they don't have to work with a partner anymore. They can do it themselves. That's correct. So the Federal Reserve signed off on them. So they're out there as a real deal bank now. There's another one that um, there's a, a an online bank called Monzo, mm-hmm. right? And so they had like they're having opposite luck. So they their losses have doubled. Um, and the UK Digital Bank warns of pandemic uncertainty. So they um, their annual losses more than doubled and warned that its ability to continue operating had become more uncertain. So on one hand, these digital banks are really crushing it. And on the other hand, they seem to be struggling, right? Yeah. Um, well, it kind of makes sense because like the whole idea of these digital banks is that they cut costs because they don't have physical locations and they are able to then eliminate a lot of the fees that are charged to consumers, the bank fees. Yeah. And the, but, and the way they make money then is when you spend on their card, they get a cut of that processing fee. But if people aren't out spending on their credit cards, like at payment terminals, they're going to have a hard time making money, right? Yeah, and that's it's like you read the article or something. So the big challenge for Monzo now is to figure out how to make money from its 4.4 million users. The Challenger Bank currently generates most of its revenue from fees generated every time a customer uses their card. But people aren't using the card, they're not getting revenue. Right? Well, and a lot of the consumers who are using these banks are folks probably at the lower end of the income spectrum, the ones that the traditional banks don't want. And they're, they're spending the least of anyone because they're more likely to have lost their job, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so this is uh, news from Down Under. Um, Commonwealth Bank is now going to give $500 to entrepreneurs who sign up to use their small business app. 
So here's a bank with a small business app. So they have an app that uh, will help them register their business, do invoicing, and do some business plan formulation. That's right. So if you download this app, mm-hmm. they're going to give you 500 bucks into your bank account. So they're coming after the tech, right? And the data, right? So, so they're coming after that. And then the, where the article has a lot of good numbers in here. So there's a company called Zen Business, and they acquired one of these new um, uh, fintech platforms called Joust. And Joust is basically really going after the um, sole proprietor and uh, independent contractor style, the super micro small small business owner. And so they just acquired them. The deal expands the Zen business service offering by combining Joust integrated suite of simple, easy to use enterprise quality financial tools within the company's already fast growing all-in-one micro business platform. I thought that was interesting. Like enterprise quality financial tools targeting like solo preneurs, right? But they had a, a couple of surveys that had some interesting data from it. According to a survey conducted by Sensibil, 51% of solo entrepreneurs in the U.S. do not use a business bank account and co-mingle their business and personal finances. On average, these micro-businesses use more than 10 separate financial products in order to run their business. So half of all small solopreneurs in the U.S. do not have a business bank account. Does it Mm -hmm. make sense why QuickBooks created QuickBooks Cash? Absolutely. That's an amazing stat. Like what accountant and bookkeeper isn't going to just opt them in? Like, guess what? I'm turning a bank account on for you. No more of this messing your funds around. And I wonder who this is really for. Is this for the business owners who already have a relationship with an accountant or bookkeeper? Or is it for those small business owners who are doing it themselves? Because there's a lot of those people on QuickBooks. I think more than half. I think it's all of the above, right? It's anybody who doesn't have a business bank account. Because, and to be honest, I went to open a business bank account. I had to go to two different banks. It was annoying. Well, yeah. Like and if, if you're a solopreneur, the banks do not care. They do not want your business. Like they make it as hard as possible for you to get that business bank account. And they're account trying to sell me, then they try to sell me checks. I'm like, I don't want checks. I just want a bank account. And so- No, this yeah. is great. This is really going to help the people who are left out by traditional banking. Yeah. And they're saying there's 57 million micro businesses that uh, this could be targeted at. And they're, they're guessing by 2027, more than 50% of the country's workforce is expected to freelance in sub capacity. So if you think about how many people, the gig work, right, as mm-hmm. this keeps growing, more and more people are going to need a business bank account. And so whoever owns their eyes is probably going to have success in that. But it started to make me really think like from an industry perspective, who owns the bank feeds? And if you own the bank feeds, that's going to control how the data gets in the accounting system. And you as an accountant or bookkeeper, the bank feeds are super valuable. Mm-hmm. So what happens if banks start blocking you? Because, oh, no, we want you to put your clients on our app. Or they charge a premium for the bank feeds. That's going to eat away your profit margins as an accounting firm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be important where you put your clients. And I almost in my brain, I'm almost like it's probably best that you try to put them on alternative banks at this point put them on a QuickBooks bank or I'm sure Zero probably have a bank one day, right? You, you put them on the banks that are in the accounting tools you use because you can't afford the risk of a bank getting blocking you. And I, I think the banks just don't know how valuable it is to cloud accountants and cloud account and bookkeepers, the bank feeds. That's a good end to this episode, David. We got a review though. We should read that before we go. Yes, yes. Excellent podcast, five stars. 
As the co-founder of a technology-focused bookkeeping, accounting, and CFO advisory firm, this is a must-listen for me. It is the most efficient way to get up-to-date on industry news and find out about the latest and greatest solutions for our members. We have members which include small to mid-sized businesses from a diverse set of industries, and the range of solutions we find for them by listening to cloud accounting is priceless. Highly recommend for anyone in the bookkeeping and accounting industry, period. Exclamation point. That is from LapJess via Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much for that. That's really great to hear. It's always great to see the reviews. So if anybody else wants to leave us a review, they actually help us a lot because it lets people that are just searching on iTunes or on their phone or searching for accounting podcasts, it gives them confidence that when they listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, they're going to hear information they need and love. So please leave a review on Apple iTunes or Podchaser. We, it really helps the show a lot. And we will read it on the air. So if you want to tell us what you think, that's one of the best ways to do it because we're required by the rules of the Cloud Accounting Podcast to read your review on the air. Even if it's bad. We've, we've read bad reviews. We have had bad. some, well, not bad, but we're critical. Bad there, there are no one, bad one. reviews. There are no bad reviews. There are only critical reviews. And we appreciate the feedback. You can also leave us a voicemail. You can call our Google voice number at 202 695 1040. And you can contact me on Twitter. I am at Blake T. Oliver. How about you, David? I'm at David Leary, also on LinkedIn. I noticed some of you have been saying I'm not a robot when you reach out to me on LinkedIn, which is very nice. I got one of those this week. That was really fun. So tell me you're not a robot when you connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'll be sure to accept that connection invite. David, until next week, stay sane, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Still sending spreadsheets of unclassified expenses to clients? With Client Hub, automate this process and get client answers instantly. Client Hub is a client communication platform that helps you consolidate client communication, securely share files, and instantly get answers and much, much more. Get started today with a free trial at clienthub.app and enter promo code CAP25 for 25% off your first three months. Client Hub, frictionless client communication.